0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to River Ridge. If you are joining us maybe from Big Kick this week or you're visiting from out of town, whatever that might be, we welcome you as well. And for those joining online, we realize that vacation season is now on us and it's an awesome opportunity for you to engage with us and stay connected with what God's doing here. Regardless of how you are connecting with us this morning, I trust and pray that you are already engaging with God and now as we get into his word that he can speak into your lives and allow you to take a next step with him. Um, This past week, Uh, between the two campuses we hosted six different uh big kick soccer camps which represented over 700 kids coming to to one of these different camps and the kids had an absolute blast they they learned how to play soccer got some soccer skills but more importantly they learned about this god who loves them and who made a way where there was no way a way where they could spend eternity with him Uh, if if you didn't get a chance to to take a look or you weren't at one of the camps take a look at this video kind of gives a, a quick glimpse into what we did this past week God has done some amazing work through the years. I think this is year 12 or 13 that we've done these Big Kick camps. And to see the work that he's done in the lives of these kids and the lives of families has been amazing. Big Kick for me, it's a lot of work. And for those of you that came out in the evenings, you recognize that. But it is always one of the highlights for me of the year. Uh, this, This was the first year that we had a camp down in Barbersville. So Sarah and I took our kids down that way. It was just a lot of fun because most of the folks down there I didn't know, so be able to talk to some of the parents that live down that way. But then just hearing the kids laughing and hearing the kids competing and learning about who God is, it's, it's a real thrill. So if you volunteered in some way this week, whether that was set up and tear Teardown or snack team or maybe you, you were one of the coaches, thank you. I mean, you had a huge, huge, huge impact in the lives of these kids in our community and into these families, so thanks for that. Well, we are in our summer sermon series called The Other 316s. I think most of us in the room are familiar with the granddaddy of them all, John 316, but we probably are not as familiar with some of the other three sixteen. So we're taking a look into into some scripture, looking at some of these other third chapters of some of the, the, the books and the letters in the Bible and learning about these little brother 316s and how they apply to our lives and how they apply into our relationships. And This morning we are looking not at John 3.16 but at 1 John 3.16. This was a, a little letter that the apostle, Paul, the, the apostle John wrote. The same guy who wrote the gospel of John wrote this letter and at this point in his life John is well into his 90s and he is now the last of the original disciples. The other disciples have been martyred and John is the only one left. So he would be had kind of a celebrity status in the early church people would be coming and asking all kinds of questions and wanting to hear his first-hand accounts of what it was like to walk with jesus and now as he in, as he nears the end of his life he wants to make sure that he passes along and that he encourages and reminds this next generation of believers what the christian faith is all about and this is one of the things that he says in first john three sixteen. he says this is how we know what love is Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters that the life the Christian life is meant to be the Christian faith is meant to be all about love and, and while the original manuscripts don't have the chapter and verse designations like we have in our in our modern Bibles it's always been striking to me how there's this real close interconnection between John 3:16. and In 1 John 3.16. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 is all about how do we make right our vertical relationship with God. And 1 John 3.16 is all about how do we make right our horizontal relationships with others. John three sixteen talks about how Jesus' death paved the way for eternal life. An an eternal life that, that doesn't begin at death. But that begins a new life when we place our faith in Christ and in 1 John 3:16 tells us what that new life should look like that we are to learn how to love like Jesus loved John is telling us that the number one goal of a believer is not to pursue happiness or success or comfort or fun that the number one purpose that God has for your life and my life is to learn how to love everything else is secondary that is that one day we are all going to stand before God and the question he's going to ask us is did you learn how to walk in my love did you learn how to receive my love and get eternal life and did you learn to love other people because that's the only reason why I left you here and if you miss that you've missed everything And the word that John is using here is a very specific kind of love. The Greek word is agape love. It's this unconditional love. It's different from what we see in the world. From the world's perspective, oftentimes love is conditional. It's conditional on how I feel. It's conditional on how other people are acting. When someone is kind to me, it makes me feel loving. And as a result, I will be kind in return. And likewise, if someone hurts me, or, or someone hurts someone that I love, my tendency is to withhold love from them. And quite possibly to hurt them in return. Hurt people, hurt people, they say. And maybe you've had that experience in your own life. That that your heart gets dinged because of what someone says or what someone does, and you start harboring this hurt. You start harboring this uh, this bitterness and this anger and what happens at some point in your life you hold on to this thing until it comes out and you either hurt them in return or you hurt other people hurt people hurt people so here's what I want us to do this morning as we get started I want you to think of someone in your life right now that you're struggling with who's the person in your life that when you hear their name or you see their face, you you get this sudden jolt of just negativity, these negative thoughts come into your mind, when you think about them, you have these judgmental thoughts, or, or you've given yourself freedom to talk negatively about them, maybe to your spouse or to another friend. Who is it? Somebody is coming in your mind, and here's what I want us to do. I want you to picture them, and I want you to hold on to that image throughout this entire message, and see how this applies into that relationship. Maybe it's a coworker who took credit for something that, that you did. Maybe it's your spouse, and right now you, you've kind of hit a, a tough season in your marriage for whatever reason. Maybe it's your ex, and they, they've drugged your name through through the mud. It, it could be a friend who's talking behind your back. It could be a neighbor. It could be a family member. But who is it? When you think about them, what's now going on inside of you? Isn't it true that, that when we have these struggles in some relationships, when we think about them, it, it chases away our joy? And, and my thoughts just get controlled by hurt and by anger and by bitterness. I had these, maybe you do too, like, like these anger fantasies play out about how I could get back at them. Your, your heart rate increases. Your anxiety level and your stress level goes up. It, and there's a small part of us that dies when we have these relationships that we're struggling with and the hurt is real and and it's probably even justified but our response doesn't have to follow it it doesn't have to be that hurt people inevitably hurt people we don't have to walk through life being controlled by our hurt John is going to paint for us a better way to live So we're going to back up a few verses and work through this passage together. In verse 11, John says, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And when he says that you've heard from the beginning, he's talking, He's referring back to the teachings of Jesus. When Jesus established the church, they, um, or when the church was first established, they would anchor all of their teaching back to what Jesus said. And throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, over and over and over again, he was telling the people that were following him that you need to love, that you need to forgive, that you need to extend God's love into other people. And undoubtedly, as John is writing this sentence here, he is remembering back to that last night that he had with Jesus that last night before Jesus was arrested and killed he gathered the 12 disciples together in the upper room and then afterwards they were walking along on a path and and Jesus huddled up his 12 guys and he said I want you to remember this that, that what really matters most is this in John 13 he says a new command I give you love one another As I have loved you, so you must love one another by this. By your love, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus looks at them and says, here's what I want you to do. I'm getting ready to leave this earth. I want you to follow my example, and I want you to love the people in your life the way that I have loved you. Because that's going to be the defining characteristic the, the quality that will set you apart from the world is agape. Jesus is saying that, that your life should be marked by agapeing, unconditionally loving the people that come into your life. And, and then John's going to go on, and he's going to paint this stark contrast and give us the opposite of what agape looks like by going back to an Old Testament example. He said, Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother, And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. John is saying that that the way of the world is hate. The way of the world is hurt people hurting people. And he gives this example that that comes out of Genesis chapter four. Cain and Abel were the the first sons of, of Adam and Eve. And in this fit of hatred, in this fit of jealousy Cain kills his brother you see the opposite of agape the opposite of unconditional love is taking matters into your own hands to get what you want and John says that's the world's way of doing things and then it leads to death it leads to the death of relationships the death of of joy in your life the death of experiencing Christ in your life in a real intimate way So he says, don't do that. Don't be like Cain. Don't get so focused in on yourself and act like the world and get in this vicious cycle of hurt people hurting people, of hate leading to more hate. you got to be different than the world. And instead, he paints this stark contrast and says, no, this is what a life looks like, that, that is living in response to receiving God's love in their life, and that is that loved people love people. And now John is going to uh, give us four really practical handles that we can apply to our lives and, and learn what it means to grow in our love for people, to grow in this agape love toward others. So in verse 16, we'll go back and, and now start gathering some of these ways that we can apply it to our lives. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. I know in my life um, that, that the real test for my love oftentimes is how I treat the people around me. Um, and John is reminding us that we are to follow the example of Christ's love, this selfless, sacrificial servant's heart toward other people. And, and I don't think that, he, that John is saying that we literally have to lay down our lives for others. I actually think he's calling us to something that's much more difficult. If you're taking notes, the first way that we can grow in our love for others is that we need to sacrifice our preferences to serve the people around us. Um, for me, oftentimes, the, the real test of love is not these big, grandiose gestures, but it is the small things of laying down my preferences, laying down what, my opinions for the sake of serving somebody else in my life. Um, and I think that if we can get into that habit if we can get into the habit of saying, I'm gonna lay down my preference, I'm gonna sacrifice what I want to do in order to serve others, what will end up happening is our ability to see people for what they are and to grow in our love towards them will greatly increase. Uh, Paul in Philippians 2 talks about what this servant's heart really looks like. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others, that, that love, this agape love takes the form of humility and I lower my preferences and I elevate, I assign a higher value to the preferences and to the needs of the people around me and I serve them in that way. That's not real easy to do, is it? But, but this attitude of humility, this attitude of elevating others above ourselves, it reaches into every area of our lives. Some of us need, I think, to to tape this onto our computer screens. And before we fire off that Facebook post or or comment, or before we fire off that email or or send that that text out, that we need to slow down and say, no, I'm going to assign a higher value to their opinion. I'm going to assign a higher value to, to their preference, and I'm going to lay down and lay aside my wanting, my desire to be right and I'm going to resist the temptation to enter into the fray, to enter into the argument. And what happens if we do that is our agape, our love, increases. It enters into our parenting, the way that we parent. Maybe you come in from work and, and you're exhausted, and everything in you just wants to get in the lazy boy, turn on the TV, and veg out. But your kids are saying, Dad, can you come outside and play? And what this humility does is we I, I'm going to assign a higher value to their need. I'm going to turn off the TV, and I'm going to go outside and give them my time, give them my attention. Or, or how about this one? You're leaving out of the parking lot here on a Sunday morning. Yes, we watch you guys as you're leaving. <laughs> and, and Instead of trying to force your way out and get out of here as quickly as you can, you say, no, I want to elevate i'm going to assign a higher value to someone else's time and i'm going to let them go out this is huge in, in marriage as well i mean it, it, I, we all go through seasons or loves with through seasons where, where you have the newborn and and they aren't really wanting to to sleep at night so what this attitude is is that when the baby wakes up and and your wife or your husband has gotten up the last few times you say i, I know i'm tired i'm dead tired but I'm going to assign a higher value to my wife's sleep than mine, and I'm not going to act like I didn't hear the baby this time around. I'm actually going to get up, and I'm going to change the baby's diaper and and take care of him. So go through your relationship circles and start asking the question, where am I right now actively laying down, sacrificing my preferences and elevating the needs and elevating the preferences of the people in my life? one of the most effective ways uh, to grow in our love for other people is to put this into practice, to make it a point in our lives each day to find a way to elevate someone else's need above our own. Well, John now is going to turn his attention to another very practical way to agape others, and he's going to enter into the world of our finances and our resources. Look at what he says in verse 17. He says, "'If anyone has material possessions "'and sees a brother or sister in need,' but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? He says that as you're walking through life and you look around and you see a need in the lives of someone, in the life of someone, and you have the ability, you have the means, the resources to meet that need, then love looks like, agape looks like, meeting that need. And I think the, the key word in this verse is the, is the word See. Because I know in my life, I, I can get so self-absorbed and so focused on, on my life and my plans and the, the busyness of life takes over, and, and I often can go through life and not see, not recognize some of the needs right in front of me. But if we want to grow in our love for people then we need to train our eyes to be able to see the needs of others. That we need to make it a point in our prayer life to say, God, open up my eyes. Help me to, to really see the real needs in the lives of people. And if I have the ability, the resources to meet it, then I'm gonna act on it. That The second way, if you're taking notes, is that we need to give generously to bless someone in need. And this is a hard one. When, when we start talking through what it means to be generous to, to, to folks and to, to meet uh, physical needs with our resources with our finances oftentimes the question that comes into our mind is okay we, where do we draw the line then does that mean we we never go on a vacation as a family does that mean that, that we never go out to eat together as a family uh, does that mean that I need to go in, go on every mission trip or to adopt every orphan or or ad- adopt every compassion kid where's the line between taking care of me taking care of my family and and fun and enjoyment and meeting the needs of the world around me. And there is not a clear-cut answer to those questions. Those are very valid questions. But what I would say is wrestling with that question, holding your life in that tension and recognizing that will, will grow your compassion, will grow your ability to see and will grow your agape love towards other people. But let me maybe give us a couple of guidelines that might help us enter into this tension and give some clarity the, the first is i think that we need to define what is enough in our lives we go through life and at times we will have these seasons where god blesses us with more than enough that, that we have an unexpected promotion or we, we get an unexpected bonus that, that comes our way and what john would say and what john would challenge us to do is to ask the question why Why do I now have excess in my life? Why do I have more than enough, beyond enough in my life? Sometimes that that excess, that, that blessing that comes into our lives is not for our consumption. Sometimes that comes into our lives not to elevate our own standard of living, but rather it is God's way of putting additional resources into our lives for the express purpose of meeting a need in the life of someone in our circle of influence. God blesses us to be a blessing to others. And what that means is that we have to consistently and constantly go before God and say, God, this is all yours. Everything that you've given me is yours. How do you want me to spend your resources? What are the needs in the world around me? You have given me enough and you have given me more than enough. Yes, I I have some needs. My family has some needs. But I also know that you probably didn't give me all of this just for me. So open my eyes to be able to see how this might be resourcing someone else. And then you act on it. And, and it might be money. It might be finances that God is directing you to. It, it may be more material possessions. May, maybe it means going into your closet every once in a while and recognizing, I have more than enough clothes in here. It, and you thin it out and, and you donate it and you give it away. It, it might be that, that you're donate furniture or a bed whatever it might be but but to look but but to give some thought and say I know that I have enough now and so when I have more than enough that comes into my life I'm going to make it a point of saying God why why have you given me more than enough and find ways to distribute that the other is to have this mindset of do for someone what you would like to do for everyone there's a big difference uh, between loving everyone and loving someone. When we talk about loving everyone, it, it looks—it's almost too big, and we get paralyzed and trying to understand what does that really mean to love everyone. And it seems theoretical, and it feels kind of generic. But what God calls us to is, instead of loving everyone, to say, "I want you to love someone," and then I want you to love another someone. That we actually have a face and a name that we are trying to love. I can't sponsor every compassion child, but I can sponsor one. I, I may not be able to, to clothe or, or to, to give some food to, to every homeless person that I see, but I can help one. If they come across my path and I have the ability to do it, then, then I should. John reminds us that, that one of the ways that we can agape the people around us is to keep an open hand on our money and our resources and to consistently go before God and say, this is all yours, how can I love the people around me? How can I meet the needs of the people around me? And then John continues in verse 18, he says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. John is saying that that love is is more than uh, an emotion, that it's more than an attitude, it's more than, than a feeling or a sentiment that we need to understand that love is a verb love is in action love is visible to the outside world if you're taking notes the third way that we grow in our love for others is to act regardless of feeling love agape love doesn't wait on a feeling before it acts Uh, in fact I would say Acting in love when you don't feel like it is the highest form of love. It's a much more mature form of love. It's easy to love somebody that is easy to love. If someone is kind to me, it doesn't take any effort on my part at all to return kindness for kindness. But in that kind of love, it doesn't require effort. It doesn't require any kind of stretching or growth on my part. But real love, agape love, acts and does loving things even when the person doesn't deserve it. it even when I don't feel like it. When you are, are patient with a, a coworker or a classmate that, that's being a jerk, and every part of you, every fiber of your being, just wants to return back at them with this sarcastic barb. But instead, you respond with gentleness and kindness. Your agape is growing. And what you'll find is that if you act, even when you don't feel like it, that the feelings will follow the action. Some of you are in a marriage right now that that the flame has gone out, that the home feels a little bit chilly right now, And, and maybe you are committed to the relationship, but you're just not really feeling it much anymore. The way to reignite the feeling of love again is to act your way into it and it honestly doesn't really matter what it feels like to you right now it doesn't matter that you don't want to do it if you will do those things if you will look into the life of your spouse see the needs that he or she has and then seek to meet them if you act lovingly the feelings will follow the only way that we get better and stronger at anything is to push through resistance so those times when we don't want to love the people in our lives, those are really just strength tests to, to see how strong our love is. God wants us to live by faith, not based on feelings. So sometimes he lets those feelings go away to see if we will love by faith, if we will be obedient even when we don't feel like being obedient and loving the people around us you see when you love somebody and you act in love towards someone that is not responding or you act in a way uh, even when you don't feel like it you are loving by faith and your agape is growing so we act regardless of our feelings and then look at how he closes out verse 18 he says we're, we're to love not just with actions but also in truth John is telling us that sometimes the most loving thing we can do, the most concrete way of loving some of the people around us is to have the courage to share truth with them and love. If you're taking notes, the the last way that we can grow in our love is to walk toward the messes of other people's lives. It is hard and it is heartbreaking at times to to look into the lives of of our friends or our neighbors or, or maybe even a family member somebody that we care about and and we just see a a train wreck that they've made for their lives some bad decisions that they've made along the way but they've drifted away from their faith they've drifted away from the life that God wants for them and sometimes because we we don't want to come across as self-righteous or maybe we don't want to come across as judgmental there are times that we sit idly by and do nothing but what John is telling us and and what we will find out if we do it is one of the best ways that we can grow in our love for people and one of the most loving things that we can do is to enter into the messes of other people's lives and to help a brother or help a sister out who's drifted off course by lovingly and gently restoring them I love how Paul says it in Galatians chapter 6 he says brothers and sisters if someone is caught in a sin if someone has drifted off course in their life You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Again, that's hearkening back there to John 13, that one of the best ways, one of the most concrete ways that we can show the world a different kind of unconditional love is to gently restore a brother or sister who has fallen off the path. But I, I want us to notice a little bit um, before we enter into that phrase, Paul says that there are a couple qualifiers that he adds to it. He's, he first presumes that, that we are living by the Spirit. That is, that we ourselves have placed ourselves under the leadership of the Spirit, that, that we are trusting in, in His leading and in His timing to guide us towards when is the right time to have that conversation. And then he says also that we need to watch ourselves. That is that before we go pointing out the faults in someone else, that we need to do the hard work of allowing the Spirit to convict us of some things in our lives, that, that we are looking and making sure that our motivations are pure. That we don't have the self-righteousness that, that is trying to drive this conversation where we just want to be right and rub their nose in it. No, we, we've done the hard work and recognize that that's a possibility in our lives. And we've also said, Spirit, would would you tell me if there are any known sins in my life and that we have done the work of confessing and repenting of any of the known sins and then and only then after we have placed ourselves under the leadership of the spirit are we to go and attempt to restore and to share the truth of God's word into their lives because after we've done that our hearts will be full of compassion and gentleness and we ourselves have received grace before we can extend it to them so as you look into your life you have someone that that you love, that right now their life is out of kilter, and maybe there's an area of their life that's just unraveling in some way, a powerful way to grow and to show agape love is to enter into their lives, to enter into that mess, and by the power of the Spirit, share truth and love and to gently restore them and to walk with them for a season. Paul talked about carrying each other's burdens for a season. What that means is you go in and and you help them up for a little bit. You carry some of the weight, perhaps of some of the consequences that have come into their life, that you are an encouragement for them for a season until they get their legs back under them and they can be restored fully back onto the path that God has for them. That's what love does. That's what love looks like, and that will grow our capacity to love other people in our lives. My hope and and prayer for us as a church is that we would be known for this kind of love, this kind of agape, unconditional love. I know in my life, that's what I want to be the marker of my life. That when it's all said and done, that people would look at my life and say, he loved well. And that's what I want us to be known for as a church as well. What what our communities need, what our neighborhoods need, what our our families need, our people, our, our believers in Christ who will genuinely, sacrificially, and unconditionally love the people that God puts into our paths. John is saying, Jesus kept repeating it, just love others. All of life comes down to that. Receiving God's love into your life And then pouring that back out Into the relationships that you have It's a life called to Sacrificially love, the, uh, love Other people the way That Christ loved us So a, as you Look at, at this list As you look at your life Which of these do you think that you Can grab a hold of and apply This week Maybe even today are there some areas, some relationships in your life that that you recognize, you know what, I, I need to lay aside my preferences. I, I need to sacrifice my preferences and elevate the needs of others and to serve them in some way. Maybe it, it's in your finances and, and you would look and say, I, you know what, I've been kind of greedy. I've been kind of stingy. I, I've walked through this life assuming that all, that all that I get is for me but I'm going to pause and I'm going to determine what is enough for me? What is enough to meet the needs of my family? And then as more than enough comes into my life that I'm going to say, God, why? Why have you blessed me beyond measure? Are are there some needs, some physical needs that I can meet with these financial or physical possessions that I have? Are there some relationships where maybe you've had a conditional look to it? You've been waiting for the feeling to come before you act so this week you say not I'm going to do the loving thing regardless of how I feel and trust and believe that the feelings will come if I act or maybe there is a special relationship right now that you've taken a step back and you need to take a step forward and do that hard work ahead of time to see if if there are any things in your own life before you enter into their world but then be willing to share the truth and love To carry their burden for a season so that they can be gently restored back into their fellowship with God. Find one, though. If this is going to become real, if this is going to mark our lives, we have to begin and really start applying this into our lives so that we can, a year from now, like Andy was talking about, grow closer to God and love people better. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for for the reminder of of what you've called us to, that, that you have simplified what our lives are to be about by saying, walk in my love for you and then love the people around us. God, as we think about the grace and the sacrifice that you displayed towards us on the cross and as we begin to look at the relationships that we have at, at home and at work and in our neighborhoods on the ball fields help us to find a way to model that to live our lives in response to what you've done for us because you you tell us that that is the way that people will know that we are your followers so open our eyes to see the world as you do give us the grace and the strength to walk in obedience even when we don't feel like it god we want the world to know who you are and oftentimes that is based on how we live our lives help our lives point people back to you it's in jesus name we pray amen Well, I hope you guys have a great week. Just a quick reminder, uh, if you're interested in going on a missions trip, Exploring Missions meeting is right after this service. Jason will meet you over in the next steps room. See you back here next week.